So this time, though, I want to transition and introduce our guest speaker, though for uh, many of you, you guys can come on up, uh, Rabbi Deary and, and, and Joe. Um, they're, not, they're becoming more familiar faces to, to some here. Um, Rabbi Deary and Joe are, are uh, with Kingdom Living Congregation in Kansas City as um, an elder couple in the congregation, and uh, we're just so blessed to have you guys here. Um, Rabbi Jerry is also an author. If you haven't read his books, he has a, a book published called Grace Beyond Reason. I encourage you to check that out um, and, and learn more about what's passionate upon his heart in that area. Um, but uh, I just, uh, I'm so blessed to have you guys come down again today uh, to, to help and minister to Remnant of Israel. Uh, we love you guys so much and your willingness to be here uh, time and time again to come down and minister to us. So um, I'm just going to let the Lord share what's on your hearts this morning for Remnant of Israel. Thank you. Thanks so much. As always, we, we are blessed to be with you and just to worship with you this morning and... Uh, just want to share some things the Lord's put on our hearts. I wanted to ask my wife, Jo, to just share to start us because the Lord gave her a prophetic word, and I feel like it, it really will lead right into what I'll be sharing in the message this morning. So, honey, why don't you? Thank you. Great to be with you all. <clears throat> when I was praying for you all, I just felt the Lord, his pleasure. And I felt like the Lord uh, was speaking to me about, he said, what I heard was living stones. And I felt like uh, what, he was, what he was saying is that you are my living stones that I am using to build my kingdom in this region. I feel like God has such a plan and a purpose for you all. And it's like a lot of times, especially with what's going on in this world and what we're all experiencing, it's like we get stuck in this survival mode. And it's like the, the enemy just steals vision from us. And, and it's, it's really hard to not focus on all the things that are going on, like we'll watch the news or we'll hear some kind of a report or something will pop up in our, in, on our computers or something. And it's like it steals our vision. It steals what God, ha God has a plan and a purpose and that he is in control. And I had this vision of the Lion of Judah roaring over Israel, roaring over us. And he says, I am still the Lion of Judah. So anyway, I felt like what he was saying is that you all, he is anointing you to be living stones, building his kingdom in this region. This is your call. This is your purpose of why you're here. And so I felt like he said that it's like, it's like the wall in Jerusalem. He is joining you with other living stones in this region. Believers who are standing with you in unity to build a solid wall for his kingdom that cannot be destroyed. And as we were sitting here and worshiping, I felt like the Lord was also saying, you will not be shaken. You will not be shaken. Don't let the enemy tell you that he's shaking, that he's in control of everything. God is saying, no, you are my solid living stones that will not be shaken. Do not say that you are too small, for I am calling you to a higher place. Greater things will you do than you can see now. Trust in me that I will accomplish much through you. I have called you to bring light and hope into this region and beyond. 
take all I have poured into you, take it out into the darkness. My presence will be seen through you. Do not be alarmed or dismayed at what is going on around you. Plant your feet firmly along the banks of my river of living water. I have planted you here for a reason. Your roots go deep, and your branches will grow outward. Each of you carry my heart for the lost. Darkness has rolled in, and deep darkness has overwhelmed many. But even as darkness has increased, so has hunger. You will find more open doors than you have ever seen before. The time for the harvest of souls is accelerating. The harvest is ripe, and the fruit is waiting on the vine. Thank you. Amen. If you would turn with me to Isaiah chapter 26, Father, we ask that you would you would bless this time as we consider your word. that you would hover here in this place as your presence is here and bring your words into our spirit that we might be those among those who are an unshakable, part of an unshakable kingdom. Lord, as the world is shaking, we thank you that you have empowered us with your unshakable kingdom. And I just want to ask, Lord, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation this morning to fill our hearts that we would see as you're seeing. Not with fear, not with anxiety, not with panic, but with faith for the vision that you've placed in our hearts. So, Lord, speak to us this morning. Continue to speak to us this morning in Yeshua's name. So I just want to read a couple of verses. Isaiah 26, beginning verse two, with verse two, uh, two three, I'm sorry. Isaiah 26, 3, you keep in perfect peace one whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in Adonai forever, for the Lord Adonai is a rock of ages. So this morning I, I want to focus <clears throat> on a couple of different scriptures that give us insight into what I think is one of the most important areas of personal victory for our lives. And it's especially important in light of what, what Joe shared because if we're, not, if we're not advancing in personal victory in our walk with the Lord it will be a great challenge for us to have vision for impacting many other lives. And that's what we're here for, friends. We're here to reach a world that is lost and doesn't know it's lost. And so we need to know 
who we are, and we need to actually, even more importantly, we need to know who He is and how He is at work and wants to be at work among us. And I would say that this area that I want to talk about this morning is especially important as the times that we're living in become more and more challenging and and really, I, I think we could say, even chaotic. And I'm talking about the issue of inward peace. Living in the realm of peace regardless of what's going on around us. And this is what I would call a supernatural peace. And it's God's intent for us to walk in it all the time. All the time. You may think, yeah, but you don't understand. I I have these problems. I have these issues. I have problems and issues too. Yes, I understand. And one of the challenges that we have as we walk through life in this present age is maintaining the peace of God rooted in our trust for God because we know He is sovereign over all the earth. When you think about it, what drives people in the world today, there, there seems to be this never-ending quest for personal peace. Peace is that elusive target, that elusive goal that, that people hope they can somehow find for their lives. And the reason, one of the reasons we know is it's elusive is because people are just trying one thing after another because nothing works unless we choose to just submit our lives to the God who is king over all the earth. That's the only thing that brings us a lasting peace. And for us as believers, this peace is actually, it's a part of our inheritance. But the thing is, it's not automatic. In other words, peace, real peace, it's, it's something we can experience, but it's, it's, bra- it's based on our embracing of kingdom values. And that's what I want to consider today. Some, some kingdom values we must embrace if we want God's peace to pre- prevail in our hearts and lives. Now, with this issue, there's something we need to settle right away. And it's really a misconception. And that is, peace is not the same as absence of conflict. Peace is not the same as absence of conflict. The reality is, we live in the midst of spiritual battle. We live in the midst of spiritual warfare. But it's in the midst of spiritual warfare that the peace of God can be attained. So, don't be hoping for a day when there's no more battle. That day is not happening in this age. Not in this life. But still, we can know real peace. We can know it. Natural thinking tends to say, well, if I can just resolve this issue, if I can get that issue resolved, then I can be at peace. And friends, it's a wrong way to think because the issues will never go away completely. I'm not saying we don't get victory over different things, and especially in the process of walking through life. There's a process of increasing and growing in victories. Yes, that's real. But the issues never just stop. One gets resolved and another comes. And so we must get used to finding peace in the midst of the unresolved problems that we can see. Does that make sense? So let's look at this. Let's turn in the New Covenant to Philippians chapter 4. And this is a passage that we like to quote. But I think sometimes maybe we don't fully think about the fullness of what it's saying. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, 
rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the shalom of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Messiah Yeshua. All right, so it's God's peace that's identified here as the goal of what Paul is laying out, isn't it? Or peace can be seen as the result of the process that he's describing here. But what we can see here is Paul is is setting out the opposites of anxiety versus peace. Now, let, let me just say again, peace is not the absence of anxiety. In other words, we might think I can be at peace when there's no longer any reason to feel anxious. No, that's not what he's saying. His point here is, even when there is temptation to be anxious, God's peace can actually prevail in our hearts over the anxiety. He personally, I mean, listen, Paul had plenty of things to be anxious about, didn't he? I mean, he describes in the Scriptures, wherever he went, he he faced opposition, persecution. I mean, some people stoned him at different times. There were reasons he had to feel anxious. But he was able to experience peace instead. So the reasons for anxiety don't go away, but the idea is that peace comes as something supernatural and it displaces anxiety. Okay? So he gives us this exhortation. Don't be anxious about anything. What a challenge these words present to us, don't they? I mean, if they don't challenge you, they sure do me. He doesn't give us any room for exceptions on this either. He uses absolute terms. Don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. Well, what about nothing? But the fact is anxiety can be such a temptation to you and me. Whether it's stirred up by the global turbulence of the times that we're living in, lots to be anxious about. Or just the personal difficulties we all face in our daily lives. Anxiety is there. It's knocking at the door of our hearts. Yet Paul tells us here that God offers us hope in the midst of the temptations to be anxious. Therefore, be anxious for nothing. He tells us there's a peace that comes from God Himself that steadies us when we are tempted with anxiety. Now, he uses a phrase to describe this peace that's really key to taking hold of it. He says, it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. So, this peace is from God. In other words, it's not from our natural minds. It's not from, I've thought things out and therefore I feel at peace. No, when we think things out, we're anxious. So this is a peace from God, and it's not from our natural minds. And then he says, it's actually beyond our understanding. It goes beyond what our minds are capable of understanding. So, I think we could say, peace in the midst of the chaos of this world actually doesn't make sense. It's a peace that goes beyond what makes sense. So, what that means is that if we are processing the events of life with our understanding alone, then we will be more susceptible to anxiety prevailing rather than peace prevailing. To put it a little differently, trying to make sense 
of the various challenges and pressures of life that tempt us to be anxious, trying to make sense of it all will leave us more susceptible to anxiety because God's peace is beyond our understanding. Do you see? And I would even say God's peace doesn't make sense. That's part of what we fight with because we want it to make sense. We want life to make sense, but it's a broken world we live in, friends. And there's a lot that doesn't make sense right now. And yet we are, we are to be a people of peace. See, a big part of the struggle that we can deal with is we try to make sense of it all. That's just a natural human tendency. As human beings, we want so badly to understand. I just need to understand in the midst of the challenges of life. And so we naturally find ourselves asking the questions, how can this be happening? Why are these things going on in my life? Lord, I just don't understand. These are questions and statements that we can often find ourselves saying. And it's normal to entertain these thoughts. It's normal. But the point is, focusing on our lack of understanding can be the very thing that actually opens the door to anxiety and fear because God's peace is not found in the realm of natural understanding. We think... Why is this happening? I just, I just don't understand. And friends, when our focus remains on that realm of trying to make sense of things, trying to understand, and we don't remind ourselves that there's something better than understanding. And that's what needs to be ruling in our hearts and minds. Our lack of understanding opens us up to being anxious when we focus on it. So we think... I just need to understand what's going on here. But God is saying, no, there's a realm that's way beyond your understanding, and that's where you'll find your peace. See, anxiety will prevail in us when our understanding or reasoning is not satisfied. But God offers us an alternative, a peace that surpasses understanding. Other words we could use in describing the peace God gives us. It's a peace that's illogical. It's a peace that doesn't make sense in light of the way the world is right now. It's a peace that may not make sense in light of the specific issues that you may be struggling with, you and I. In other words, we've got to see this issue of walking in God's peace as something that goes beyond what our mind can make sense of. This is similar to what I shared in one of our previous visits here about grace being something that goes beyond our natural understanding, which is one of the reasons we struggle to receive grace because it doesn't make sense. And so, if we're trying to receive and walk in God's grace based on what makes sense to us, it just doesn't work. And it's the same with this issue of God's peace. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. And so, if we're requiring understanding in order to feel at peace, we will not be able to fully experience the peace of God we so desire. Now, I'm not saying that God will never give us understanding on things, things that we go through, challenges that we deal with. Yes, He does. Sometimes. And certainly it's not wrong to ask for understanding. But my point is, we don't have any promises in His Word that assure us that we will always understand. We don't have any promises that say that. The promises we have are for peace. The promise we were given in James chapter 1, for example, is for wisdom. Wisdom. Now that's good to have when we don't understand. 
You can have wisdom without having understanding. We do get, have a promise for wisdom. But God doesn't promise us understanding. So a basic question we have to embrace for our lives is this. Can we be content in times when we just don't understand, when we can't make any sense of it? Can we be content? I mean, isn't that ultimately the evidence of our trust for God? Being content in times when we don't understand? Proverbs 3, verse 5, one of the verses, again, we, we love to quote this verse. It's one of the ones we memorize often earlier, early in our walk with God. We're told to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And then it says, not to lean on our understanding. So first, trusting the Lord with our heart. That means our trust for God is not based on being able to figure everything out. Our trust for God is not based on being able to make sense of everything that's happening in our lives. Our trust for Him is rooted in our basic heart stance of knowing He is good, knowing He is faithful, knowing He is gracious, and that he knows what he's doing in his oversight of our lives. We trust him because he knows what he's doing. We trust this with our hearts, even in times when nothing seems to make sense to our minds, to our understanding. And then again, we're not to lean on our understanding. The Hebrew word for lean on, it's sha'an. And it, and it simply means to support oneself. So... We're not looking to our understanding to be a support system for peace of mind. Too often that is what we're looking for. If I can just understand, then I can be at peace. No, probably too often if we really understand, we won't be at peace. And that's why God says we need to learn to, to find peace outside in the, of the realm of understanding. So, yes, we are to trust God, even when we don't have the answers to the questions that may race through our minds. We trust God because He is totally trustworthy. And then, our trust for Him is actually key to overcoming anxious thoughts. See, I'm not, what I'm not saying is you will never have an anxious thought if you just... Maintain peace. No, I'm saying that you overcome anxious thoughts when we maintain peace. There's a difference. So where do we gain this trust? Well, our walk of faith is actually a lifelong process of growing in trust for the Lord. It's a process. I trust Him more now than I did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. Fifty years ago, I trust Him more because I've walked with Him. I've, I've allowed His Word to impact and change how I see things. I've seen Him be faithful over and over again. He's worthy of trust. See, the answer, the, the answer to the question of how we grow in trust, it all comes down to relationship. It's, and really, you know, think about it. It's similar to our learning to trust people, isn't it? We trust, trust grows in the context of relationship as we get to know one another better and better. And that's central to understanding the passage that we just read from Philippians 4. See, the passage emphasizes, emphasizes prayer as the context for our victory over anxieties rule over us. And here's where we need to understand prayer as being all about relationship with God. Friends, prayer involves so much more than just asking God for different needs to be met. It does involve that. But much more, it's, it's talking to, to God all the time. Always. You don't have to be in a formal setting to be conversing with God. 
On the most basic level, prayer is about conversation with God and relationship with God. And it's a venue for giving voice to our trust for God, you see? But again, we can come to this question of how do I grow in that place of trust for God? How does it happen? Well, I think the Bible gives us answers to that. It's, it's here in the passage that we've been looking at from Philippians 4, and then beyond that, I mean, we see it throughout the Bible. We see how men and women of God grew in trust for God as they walked with God in relationship. Now, I believe it's the simple act of giving thanks that is central in our expressing trust for the Lord. But even more, giving thanks to God has the effect of actually nurturing and strengthening our trust for Him. Do we want to grow in our trust for God? Well, I think there are lots of things involved in that process, but maybe the most essential is our willingness to give Him thanks and praise Him and rejoice in the midst of challenging times when we don't understand and when rejoicing actually doesn't make much sense. It's a supernatural dynamic that's involved there. Rejoicing when it doesn't make sense actually does something to us and in us that's helps, that helps us to trust Him more and more. The passage from Philippians begins with the statement, Rejoice in the Lord always. And just to paraphrase it a little bit, in case you didn't catch it the first time, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Always. Friends, thanksgiving to God, even in the midst of circumstances we do not like and do not understand, it's one of the most powerful ways we can be declaring our trust for Him. Thanksgiving can actually disarm the natural drive that we have to, to want to understand everything perfectly. Thanksgiving can disarm the need we feel to understand, and it opens the way for God's peace supernaturally to flood our hearts and fill our minds. I find that in my own life, when thanksgiving prevails in my heart and in my words, it's really kind of hard for anxiety to have its way. Not saying I'm not tempted with it. I'm just saying that stance of thanksgiving, it displaces anxiety. And it does work. Not as a formula, but as part of a relationship. I'm talking about a mindset of giving thanks. And yes, it begins with giving thanks when we don't feel like it. Keep in mind, rejoicing is the faith action that results in joy. Rejoicing isn't something we do only because we feel joy. Rather, rejoicing is a faith act that we do because we trust God even when things are not going the way we'd like to see them go. It's a decision of our will, a decision we make in spite of the fact that we may not like the circumstances we're going through. Well, is that okay to not like? Well, read the Psalms. Read some of David's complaints. He voiced them. He wasn't ashamed to. And God called David a man after his own heart. But he also understood the power of rejoicing. See, rejoicing brings us into peace. It can bring a calming to our anxious hearts in those times when we're feeling overwhelmed. Rejoicing in the midst of trials, it's actually a supernatural response that has the effect of lifting us up above the, the, the challenge or the pain or the confusion of our circumstance. It brings to our hearts the peace we need for responding properly to whatever it is that's going on. 
See, rejoicing is, is key to getting our heart in tune with God's heart. And really, that's one of the keys for gaining the wisdom we so need when we're going through trials. Clearly, it's wisdom that we need. See, you can have understanding and yet not know what the right thing to do is. That's why wisdom is so much more important. And God promises that. It's wisdom that we need when we're going through difficult circumstances and he promises us, promises us that wisdom. But this too is something we can often miss because too often what we want is understanding. Sometimes we hold back from rejoicing because we don't understand the things that we're going through. Well, I just don't understand why this is happening to me. Friends, let me say it again. God does not promise us that we will always understand what we're going through. But he does promise us wisdom for walking through it and a grace for walking through it, but he doesn't promise that we'll always understand. And unless we're willing to assume a posture of praise, even at times when we don't have things figured out, we won't fully enter into the peace of God that is way beyond our understanding. Insisting on understanding will actually keep us from the peace that's beyond our understanding. Philippians 4 makes a clear connection between rejoicing and experiencing that peace that passes understanding. There's a supernatural peace. And I know I'm repeating this because we need to hear it over and over again to get it into our hearts, to get it into our minds. There's a supernatural peace that God makes available to us and it's a peace that Paul says guards our hearts and minds. What's it guarded from? Anxiety and fear. We might say it's a powerful peace from the Holy Spirit that actually shields and protects our hearts and minds from the anxiety that's, that's pressing in all the time. It's a powerful peace. In other words, it's not a peace we, we have because we're not anxious. Do you see? You see the difference. It's a peace that comes when anxiety is pressing in. The peace that actually wages war against anxiety. So, peace is not the absence of anxiety, but it's there for us in times when anxiety would really make more sense, to be honest. And that's why it's a battle to remain in peace, because anxiety makes more sense. So it's a peace that passes our understanding. It's better than the kind of peace that our understanding can give us. And we must believe that or else we'll never embrace this level of peace that God wants to bring us into. The peace that passes understanding is something that we will experience only when we don't insist on understanding. Do you see? So we've got to get past that place we, where we feel we must understand before we're willing to give our praise and our thanksgiving to the Lord. Got to get past that place. It's the posture of praise that opens our hearts to God's presence and that opens our minds to God's thoughts. Romans chapter 1 Paul is describing man's rebellion against God ever since creation. And he mentions something very important here. He mentions the refusal to be thankful as being at the heart of humanity's rebellion. Listen to how Paul puts this. Romans 1.21 For although they knew God... In other words, they knew who, who God was through his creation. Though they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, 
and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Man's refusal to be thankful to God resulted in their foolish hearts becoming darkened. So when we're not thankful, think about it, we're, we're cutting ourselves off from the light of God's wisdom, the light of God's countenance. And our understanding will be darkened. Why? Because thanksgiving opens our minds to God's thoughts. It's a supernatural dynamic. So think about it. The desire we have for understanding something before we will give God our praise and our worship, that insistence will actually keep from us any understanding God actually does want to give us because it comes in the context of our worship of Him. So when we assume the posture of thanksgiving, it opens our hearts to receive the light of God's wisdom even when we don't understand. Anxiety will prevail when we allow our natural mind to rule over our hearts. And reason triumphs over trust. We follow after that inward drive to understand and have everything figured out before we can be at peace. But the problem is, our unanswered questions end up waging war against our trust in the Lord. Too often. Well, God really does offer us a peace that, you know, we, we could substitute instead of that passes understanding, a peace that's better, better than understanding. It's better. But you see, we have to let go of our insistence on understanding if we want to experience that peace. And a key to that peace is a lifestyle of giving thanks especially at times when it just doesn't really make sense. That's when our thankfulness becomes an expression of trust, and that's when our thankfulness becomes an offering to God. That's that sacrifice of praise. And by the way, that's when our thankfulness in the midst of things we don't understand also becomes a testimony to those around us of the goodness of God to give us supernatural peace at times when anxiety makes a lot more sense. You've got to understand, people see that in us. People notice those times when we are at peace when we should be anxious, do you know? Friends, as followers of Yeshua, we don't have to be limited to the realm of our understanding. I mean, can we see that actually limits our capacity for faith and peace? But God calls us to step out into the realm that goes beyond what we can understand, beyond what we're able to figure out. It's called the realm of faith. It's expressed through our thankfulness, and it results in a supernatural peace that guards our hearts and minds, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Now, in closing, I would just encourage you, if you don't do this already in some form, to get in the habit of making daily faith declarations to the Lord based on His Word. Because it's a very helpful and powerful thing. Something that you do early in your day before circumstances have an opportunity to shape your thinking and your attitudes. Doing this can actually set the tone for the rest of your day as you align your heart and you align your, heart, your, your mind with God and with His ways. Something I do, and I, I talk about this in, in, in my book, but I make four basic declarations to the Lord. Sometimes more than that, but four that I always do every single day. First of all, I declare my need for the Lord. His word says, from, apart from Him, I can do nothing. So I accept that as true. Lord, I need you. Secondly, I declare my dependence 
on the Lord. Well, how's that different from declaring my need? Well, need is, is just being aware of it. Dependence is actually taking a step to overcome that need and to, to enter into that place of trusting in Him. And then, what's most relevant to what we're looking at today, third, I declare my gratitude to the Lord. Lord, I just, I just want to position myself in that place of a thankful heart. I choose thanksgiving as the stance that I'm going to take today. I'm going to be thankful to you, whatever I end up going through. There's things today that I have no idea what's going to be going on today in every respect. But if I walk through things that, that, that I may not enjoy, I'm still going to be thankful to you, Lord. And by the way, just saying it doesn't mean I walk it out perfectly. So don't hold yourself to a standard that, I'm not saying perfection should not be our goal, but don't get hung up if you find yourself stumbling from time to time. Do you see what I'm saying? So I choose to be thankful, whether I feel like it or not, because Lord, you are always worthy of that. You're worthy of nothing less. And so I reject complaining. I reject self-pity. Every other thing that wages war against thankfulness, I reject it. And then the fourth declaration, Lord, I declare my trust for you today. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my family. I trust you with, with our ministry. I trust you with all the things that I still haven't figured out. I trust you with my unanswered questions. I trust your leadership in my life. You know what you're doing. And I trust that. You are totally trustworthy whether I can understand what's going on or not. You see? So I choose to declare my trust for the Lord. And I choose peace. Another thing I would encourage you to get in the habit of doing if you don't do this already is speaking to your soul psalm 42 5 why are you downcast O my soul hope in god the psalmist is speaking to his soul this is what you must do sometimes we just have to speak to our soul to get in line with our spirit and to get in line with the word of god one of the great evangelical teachers of the, the mid-20th century, a man by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones, he, he taught in Great Britain, uh, was the pastor of one of the largest churches in, in London. And he made a statement that I've never forgotten. It's, so, it, it's such a good statement. He says, we need to do more talking to ourselves and less listening to ourselves. Do you understand what that means? We listen to ourselves in so many ways and it just drags us down. Start speaking to yourself. Speak to your soul. Soul, rise up and worship the Lord. We cannot be passive, friends. Especially in relation to worry and, and, and anxiety and fear. It must be actively opposed and actively rejected. Why? Because ultimately, fear is a spiritual force that must be opposed with a spiritual force that's greater, which is the Word of the Lord, the power of the Lord. Fear and anxiety must be opposed with a supernatural peace that comes from God. I mean, think about it. Have you ever tried, when, when you have reason to be anxious, have you ever tried to talk yourself out of anxiety? It doesn't work. Well, I really shouldn't feel anxiety because it doesn't work. What works is you speak the Word of God. You declare the life of God. You declare the goodness of God. The power of God. Memorize as many scriptures as you can. I'm not saying as a works kind of thing, but as, a, as equipping that God wants to give you for navigating through the problems you will face day to day. 
We will never talk ourselves out of peace, out of fear or anxiety. It doesn't work. It's not a peace that you can work out in your mind. It's a peace you receive by faith. So we need to consciously reject anxiety, not allow our minds to come into agreement with the narrative. It's a false narrative that the enemy is giving us continually. God's not going to come through for you this time. <clears throat> It's a false narrative. It's a lie. It may not look like we want it to, but he always comes through. <clears throat> Friends, there is a peace from God that goes beyond our understanding that is available for you and me to walk in every day. And I want to encourage us today to be cultivating that peace through a life of rejoicing, and a life of declaring his word, declaring his promises. Why is it that we can be at peace in the midst of the confusion of this world and the unanswered questions of our own lives? Because God is amazing. It's that simple. He's always amazing. And he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything that we can ask and beyond even anything we can think up. He can do more. He goes beyond it. He is the God who acts outside of the realm of our understanding. And so in those times when we are tempted with anxiety because of our circumstances or because of the state of this world, we can look to him for a peace that's unreasonable. King David's trust for the Lord was such that he could write in Psalm 23, and it's amazing because this is probably maybe the most memorized scripture by believer and unbeliever alike. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And yet, it's one of the most challenging for us to live in. But it does give us an idea of what's there for us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you, Lord, are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's not talking about life without conflict. He's talking about experiencing the presence of the Lord. I, I like to say we need to learn to find the secret place in the midst of the chaos of life. Because it's there for us. And it really becomes a place where we find an inward victory over the, what the chaos wants to bring to us. John 14, Yeshua said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It's not as the world gives. It's not the kind of peace that the world, that you can find in the world, in natural thinking. It's the peace of God. And God is never anxious. I think of Psalm 2 where it's talking about the nations of the earth are raging against God. And what's God's response? It says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. God's not intimidated by the rage of this world. So it's about God's peace ruling in the realm of our thoughts and emotions. Friends, in times of crisis, which is exactly what we're seeing right now in Israel for sure, in the United States. We're, we're, not in, we're not in the kind of warfare right now that involves rockets being launched, missiles being launched. But we're in war right now. In times of crisis, there is a battle for our hearts on a number of different levels we've got to be conscious of. There's a battle for our love. There's a battle for our joy. There's a, a battle for our zeal for the Lord. These are battles we must win. We must win them. And one of the most important of these battles is the battle for our peace. 
experiencing God's peace, it doesn't mean we don't feel the pain. It doesn't mean we don't feel the grief. The fact that we can be at peace in the midst of all that's going on in Israel and what our people are going through there right now, day after day, with all the uncertainty, it doesn't mean we don't feel pain or grief or the weight of that. But you see, it's God's peace that carries us through that, looking to Him so that instead of just trying to survive in this life, we're, we're looking to say, I'm going to make a difference in this world because this world needs the Lord. Do you see? It doesn't mean we're oblivious to the real crises that are gripping this world right now. But even as we experience the realities of crisis, we are seeing above it, focusing on the God who alone is worthy of our ultimate worship and our ultimate trust. Focusing on His Word, focusing on His eternal promises, and that everything He has spoken will come to pass, because He is faithful. Focusing on the unshakable kingdom that we have received as Yeshua's followers. So friends, this is a peace we must fight for, and aggressively and consciously take hold of, day after day, until Yeshua comes to bring his kingdom in fullness. Let's pray. Maybe we could stand together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I just want to encourage you, if you have struggled with the area of fear or worry, or anxiety. As we pray this morning, just take a moment to repent of that. God wants to completely forgive us and release us for giving too much play to the narrative of fear and anxiety. So Father, we just come to you today. Forgive us, Lord, for ways that we've not trusted you. We confess it, Lord. We, we ask you to forgive us for fearing, for being more in awe of the, the circumstances of this world than in awe of you and your sovereignty. Forgive us, Lord. Lord, we, we, we repent of giving place to fear. We withdraw our agreement with the spirit of fear and anxiety. And we receive your peace, Lord. Lord, would you release today among your people a supernatural peace in our souls, a peace in our spirits, a calming that comes from your presence and that comes from knowing that you are God and totally trustworthy. Help us, Lord, in our weakness. Help us be in tune with your Spirit in those moments when we are tempted to fear and anxiety and to quickly turn to you because it's in you we find peace. So we thank you, Lord. We praise you and we bless you today in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Rabbi Jerry. We are just so blessed by that message, and uh, I'm also definitely convicted by that. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, but it's an encouragement as well, and, and I think it's important that um, we as a congregation, while we have, it's important to have our understanding of what God teaches us to be correct. So this is our doctrine, right? But also that it's important for us to have our practice of this correct, right? Um, if, we, if we understand but we're not practicing, it's, it's not very helpful. Um, 
And, and so I, I'm thankful for the, the, some of the, the ways that you approach your day as you gave, you gave us some practical steps for the way you approach your day. Um, and I think that's very helpful to each of us. Maybe we needed some new ideas about how we might be um, missing something or what we can do in our day to approach God differently and approach our day and our life differently uh, because we might be experiencing anxiety or not experiencing peace um, with things that are going on individually and uniquely in our lives or just things that we're paying attention to in the world around us as well. So thank you, Rabbi Jerry, for that message this morning.